So I grew up in a small, highly competitive town. When I was in the fourth grade, I failed some sort of standardized test, the writing portion. I was mortified. I was put in, or cast out really, into remedial English. My mom, who was really supportive of my creative brain, marched to the school and tried to figure out, you know, what the hell happened? The principal assured her that the test results were accurate and presumed like she's just another helicopter parent. But my mom insisted that she see my test. It was the portion where, you know, you were asked to read a few paragraphs and answer questions in an essay form to see what you understood or comprehended about the story. What they realized was that I had gone in, crossed out the questions, rewritten new ones, and then answered them quite well, actually. When my mom asked me <laughs> why I had done that, I just said, well, mom, boring questions lead to boring answers. My name is Danielle trevisano Holly. I'm a writer and the chief creative officer of America's at Possible. Celebrating the lives, work, and achievements of women around the world, The Drum presents Exceptional Women of the World, hosted by The Drum's America's editor, Doug Zanger. Let's uh, start with three questions. When are you at your very best? I think I'm at my very best when I'm with other people collaborating. It sounds kind of cliche growing up with teams. I, I think I had that team mentality since I was a really little kid. And it's, it's, success is really fun when you're with other people. It's great when you get there on your own, but it's fun when you get there together. What is it? It's all, I always get this messed up, all boats rise or all ships rise, that, yeah. that, kind, that kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. Because it makes, you, it makes you better, and it also challenges you at the same time. Because I think there's a way to be in a team and be kumbaya, but I think it's perfectly okay to be a bit competitive within a team construct just because it will press everybody forward. Yeah, that, I think that's the part that makes it fun. Feeding off of other people's energy, building on some of the things that they say, and using it to make yourself better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fun. Anecdotally, and I'm, I'm just noticing this, I mean, it just seems like that the team mentality feels like more legit now. There is less of the, hey, look at me, and it's more of the, hey, look at we. I mean, are you seeing that too? Because you've been in the game for a minute. Are you seeing that as well? I think so. I think that there was a long legacy in advertising where it was sort of like cult of personality. Right. You know, and you can name those people, the Jerry Graffs and the Jeff Goodbees, and they're legends. I think that mentality of it's their agency is, is over. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I know exactly why, But I think that the team spirit, um, you know, maybe it's because the industry has changed so much and that it takes so much more. There's so many more aspects of the team now, right? There's mm -hmm. data science and there's That's a PR. Good point, and, right. You know, that it, it just is harder, I think, to make as much of an impact because, the, because culture has changed so much and mm -hmm. the way people consume media has changed so much that it takes more than a great idea to be super impactful. And so you need those team members to make sure that, that the idea is working hard for your client's business, is getting seen, is getting noticed and appreciated. What's something that you've learned recently, either personally or professionally, that surprised you? Why is that? I think I've never been more convicted in a belief about a style of leadership. Interesting. Why is that? Well, I don't know. They say, they say when you turn 40, you start to give like fewer and fewer fucks. Being 48, yes. 
Yes. So maybe that's what happened, but I certainly um, God, what's going to happen to us when we turn fifty? I just feel like I had the, I had the pleasure of um, judging the ADC awards a few mm-hmm. weeks back, and it was a fifty fifty jury, fifty percent female, fifty percent male, and they were digital natives, which could have played into I think the story that I'm about to tell. But what I noticed about these people that I was judging with was they were certainly, they, they, we all have ego. We're advertising creative directors for crying out loud. We, we have to have ego. We have to be confident and self-assured about the things that we're saying on a daily basis. Otherwise, we would never really be able to face up to clients. Right. But there was no tolerance for assholes. And there's a really big difference, I think, between being nice and being respectful. And I think nice is ineffective and, quite frankly, kind of annoying. But respectful seems to be reigning supreme. And I think that that's what I've learned, is that being tough and driving teams hard and pushing for better and better does not have to equal assholes. Mm -hmm. And I think that women, especially in this industry, have kind of tried to emulate the men that they've seen go before them. Interesting. And I think that there's an opportunity for us to craft a a leadership style that actually breeds a lot of generosity. Mm -hmm. And again, it's, I don't think anybody's ever called me nice, but I I like you, Danielle. Well, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's not about that. Um, It's not about being soft, but it is about a level of respect for the craft and respect for the individuals that are putting it out. Mm -hmm. You know, passion is great. But there's a line where passion can look like crazy if you don't hold on to that, that uh, obligation to be leaderly. What's your love affair? Why is that? What do I love? Yeah, you, what's, <clears throat> I have a love affair with blank. We'll do the match game version there. I have a love affair with words. Yeah? I think you could probably relate to that. I can relate to that. I can, I, and sometimes I use them correctly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most of the times I don't use them correctly. Nor do I. Yeah. No. I think that words are really interesting. And I mean, and I say words, but what I really mean is an articulation of someone's emotions. Mm-hmm. The best ads or the best work or the best stories even are artfully crafted in the way that they communicate. And that means word choice. That means the right gestures, the right everything, because those are the things that make them feel authentic and real. Mm-hmm. And when I sit in rooms and I hear people talk, I can do impressions, not necessarily in character, but of just, I know what somebody would say. I know how somebody would sound Mm -hmm. because I pay really, really close attention to the specific words that they use when they talk. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating to me. I have a very good friend originally from Seattle and recently commented that it's about the message, not the medium. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, it's, that's so true. I think we've just, there's so many talented writers in this business. And I feel like that sometimes we, honestly, Chapin from RGA in New York, he should be like a latter day Jeff Goodby in my mind. Mm-hmm. Cause I think I honestly, he's, he's probably gonna be like, don't, don't say that. And I'm like, no, but it's true. I mean, the guy is like, does heroic work. And there are thousands of other people like him in there. Uh, there's a copywriter that we just <laughs> caught on 22 squared in Atlanta, Madeline. Adams, just great. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, I mean, I feel like that words need to make a comeback and those people need to be given a, a hell of a lot more shine. I think you're right. I just went off on a jag there. No, it's true, though. I mean, if you look at someone like Janet Champ. 
Oh, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. who literally was the reason that I went into this business uh, because of the of the Nike, the women's Nike work. Mm-hmm. I was a, a soccer playing college kid who I knew only, you know, essentially two things about myself. One was that I really liked playing soccer and the other was that I really liked to write. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what that would add up to. And when I saw If You Let Me Play, I was like, you know, oh my gosh, what is what is this? How do I get to do this? And I met Janet probably three years ago at the 3% conference and got to talk to her and, and tell her how much that she, she had inspired me. She's, she's responsible for me in this business, I guess you could say. That's her fault. But that's a, her <laughs> words had such an incredible impact on my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, you know, that's my story certainly, but there's how many, there's countless of those stories because of, of things people read or things people heard others say, and that's silly, but the pen is mightier than the sword is, uh, I mean, completely legit. Totally legit. Let's go to the must list. What is a must do? I think everybody should chaperone a kindergarten field trip. Oh, you're you're not kidding. And you know what? If you're not married or you're younger, and it's like if you have like a friend who has kids in kindergarten, if you have like a nephew, just, Absolutely. just volunteer, get your background check, go volunteer. It has nothing to do with even being a parent. No. This is something everyone needs to do. It's unbridled comedy. It is unbridled comedy. It's also just an amazing experiment of watching what uninhibited reality is. That stuff gets coached out of all of us. Mm-hmm. And going back and observing it in, in that many children in one setting makes you realize... What you're really experiencing in your office. Mm-hmm. It's just kindergartners who have who have been coached out of being uninhibited. Right. And everybody's, you know, innate <laughs> impulses are still underneath the surface there. Right. It's just that we've polished them to make us look like adults. <laughs> kindergartners with a UW diploma sitting on the wall. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think we ever get that back? I don't know. I'm still trying. When you get closer to 50, again, going back to the not giving a fuck, that's kind of when you get to 50, it's like, you know what? I think I'm just going to act like, like a kid again. It's like the apex of right. not giving a fuck, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Well, and kids are that way too. Right. You know, they don't they don't care. They um, Their emotions are so unbridled. Yep. And that's a really beautiful and hilarious thing. Exactly. What's the most experience? I think I would say um, food. Everybody should experience that meal that blows their mind. Yes. Okay. No, what's one that's blown your mind? Um, I had a carbonara in Trastevere, Italy, that no matter how hard I try, I cannot recreate or find anywhere else. You just, have to, you just have to live with that. I, I, I'm going to have to get over it. I know this. Or, or go back. But I bet you even if I go back, it won't be the exact same. No. Because sometimes food is in the moment. Yes. And it's also steeped in simplicity. To me, I'm Italian, you know, food is right. love. Yeah. And so when I had that dish of pasta, the best dish of pasta I have ever had in my life, I was transformed. And, you know, maybe this is like a sort of visit Seattle plug, but the restaurants here. The food it, scene in Seattle is incredible. I mean, we're a bit partial to our, in Portland, but. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. Different. Okay. Never mind. Portland's food is pretty awesome. Oh, geez. now you're just being condescending. No, I'm not being condescending being, at all. Being very at, at all. It's a different. It, I think it's different, don't you? 
Yeah, maybe. Yes. No, I, I got you, but that's a different show. That's okay. a different show okay. that, that no one's maybe doing. Maybe it's one we should start. No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but seriously, I've, I heard that there's this restaurant on Lumi Island that nobody knows about, and it's like the most amazing experience. And so, I mean, it's not so much just the food, but the my favorite here, though, Duke's Chowder House. Really? Over at Lake Union. Yeah. Okay. You kind of have to do it. For sure. There's nothing better than a staple. That's right. And sometimes the old school stuff is the best stuff. I know. I know. I I totally agree. What's a must read? You know, this question makes me really sad because my kids are still really little and I travel constantly. And unfortunately, I'm working on planes. I'm not getting the time to read. Mm -hmm. So I read, I used to read voraciously. In fact, my, our wedding, my husband and I, when we first met, my husband was traveling a lot and we started a book club of one of two people. Mm -hmm. So essentially it was just he and I, and we were in our own little book club because we both hated talking on the phone. Right. So when we would get on the phone, we would say, what did you think of X, Y, and Z chapter? Right. And of course, now we do it with TV shows, which is, which is sad. No. Um, but I've spent the last five years trying to make my way through the, the adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Okay. Um, but I just don't get to read as much as I, as I want to read anymore. But love fiction. Absolutely love fiction. Um, I think that the ability to conjure stories that are, that are not there... Um, recounting something is beautiful and magical, but you know, conjuring something that didn't exist before and creating an entirely new world that people didn't know about is fascinating to me. Totally agree. What's a must learn? Something that scares you. Mm-hmm. I think overcoming a fear is a, is a big deal. And I had a big fear of the ocean and mm-hmm. learned to scuba dive. Wow. Uh, I haven't been in in many years and probably have the fears probably come back. Mm-hmm. But it was it was thrilling. Uh, but I think the majority of the experience was just about overcoming something that I thought that I would never and could never do. Right. That's good. You're still certified? Yes. Okay. All right. Let us know when you go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I even went, yeah. yeah. Okay. Do you do it in Elliott Bay? No, I had, did not get certified in Elliott Bay. My, my parents were living in Key West at the time. See, so slightly different fish. Slightly different, yeah. Slightly, slightly different experience. <laughs> exactly. Slightly different fizz. <laughs> What's a question you've never been asked before that you'd love someone to ask you and what would the answer be? You know, I, I always wonder, it's, it's, the, it's the most cliched question around, right? What mm-hmm. did you want to be when you grew up? But A lot of people don't ask that. No, it be, I think it's because it's so cliched. Mm-hmm. I think I wanted to be this. And I didn't know it was this, mm-hmm. but this is what I wanted to be. I always wrote stories as a kid. I have my mom and I would sit type stories on a typewriter and she would bind them with wallpaper and I would find awesome. I would find illustrators. I won, I won a young authors club when I was like in the first grade because I wrote a story about the nightcrawler. Oh my god. Right? <gasps> and the reason that the nightcrawler was blue was because he had eaten too many blue lollipops. Sure. Yeah. To uh, me that's it logic. made perfect sense. And so I just I think that whole idea of like getting my mom to type it for me and finding an illustrator and you know it's what I it's what I do today. You know, right. um, who, what designer is free? Let's go make this thing or, right. you know, let's go find the right shooter. Let's go find the right illustrator. All those things apply. So it, it was never really about being a novelist. I'm not one of those writers, creative directors who has my half written novel in a, in a drawer. Right. It was always sort of about these like <laughs> short sprints of just like, let's tell these really funny, cool, emotional stories. Just like a midfielder. Yeah. Short sprints. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. 
here's where I compliment you. Uh oh. It's not an uh oh. It's definitely not an uh oh. <laughs> when we first got each other on radars, this, well, this, well, first, it's funny because people always say, you know, you'll get along with her great. You, know, mm-hmm. you guys will get along really, really well. Someone told me, they said, you're going to get along, you're going to get along with Danielle so well because you both have this kind of weird thing going on. And they couldn't really, they couldn't. They, they couldn't articulate they couldn't our articula- weirdness. It's like, you're weird, she's weird, but she's a different weird. You're a Portland weird, she's a Seattle weird. But there's like, it, like it, it was like this very circuitous tri- you know, explanation. And this person had dug themselves just deeper in the hole. And I just, I just kind of nodded politely, as Portland people do. And I just was like, okay, that's cool. But, here, but here's what, um, what I learned is in talking with other people and seeing some of the things that, that you believe in. You know, obviously, energy is a big deal to you. Yes. And what, what I find interesting is Seattle, you know, in the Pacific Northwest in general, has a certain vibe to it. It's a little bit more laid back. And you're able to balance that with your East Coastness. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. What I've learned about you is that you, you are a big unifier. I mean, you just, you, you gravitate, people gravitate towards you. And that's, that's hard to do. I, and I, I think that that is a gift and a skill. I think it's something that you're given as an individual, but I also think it's a skill that can be honed. And I, as I understand it, you are masterful at that. And it's taken you time to build that. You know, another big thing is chemistry. You, you have an innate sense of putting the right people in the right places at the right time, doing the right things for the right reasons. And again, that's really hard to do. So that's the part that I compliment you on. Is that accurate? Am I completely out of my gourd? I mean, we do seem to get along, so we got that part right. The weirdness connects. The weirdness kind of does connect. Yeah. But is that accurate? About being a unifier? Yeah, and, and, and unifier putting, and chemistry and all of that? Yeah, I really like the idea of, of, I pay so much attention to people and to what I think they like or, or how they approach their craft or what, what inspires them mm-hmm. that I do these little experiments of matching people up or putting people together in rooms that sometimes feel a little awkward, but they either go very, very well or they implode. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, they go very, very well. Our jobs as creative directors is to get the best out of everyone. And if my innate sense is that you get the best out of everyone by getting the best out of each other, then I think finding those right people who, who play off of each other well and who get down into their souls and pull out the thing that they need to communicate is it's so fun to watch. It is beautiful. fun to watch people thrive. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I, again, it's like, I know that I have certain members of my team who can get to that breakthrough moment on their own. And I know that that feels good, but I see it every day that it feels so much better when they get there together. Mm-hmm. It's just this place especially has that sort of culture mm-hmm. of banding together and being bold together to conquer something that they need to conquer. Uh, we would be remiss if we didn't mention Gareth Jones just because we like to say Gareth Jones, right? All of you people at the drum like to say Gareth Jones. Everybody loves Gareth Jones. Yeah. Everyone's tell Gareth hello. Yeah. Sounds like an indie band name, right? Tell Gareth hello. That sounds like an indie band name. It does. Sub Pop's going to sign them. Yeah, he's kind of a wannabe rock star too. Don't give him the name. Don't do it. No. Yeah. Might be too late. Okay. All right. Well, and Shane. 
you know, Shane Atchison is a very unique individual. Yeah. But I think what I've always admired about Shane in his leadership style is that he surrounds himself with people that know things he doesn't know. Right. And he's okay with that. He allows himself to be vulnerable to saying, I don't understand X, Y, and Z capability, so I'm going to go hire the best person who does understand those things and let them do what they do. Yep. Because the other side of it is exhausting if you do it the other way. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> right. And there's that as well. As we end the show, we always like to ask for one more piece of wisdom or advice. So what would be your final word? I think that my wisdom is certainly um, something we've heard a lot recently, but that, that attention that we pay to the little voice inside your head, let them out because they're not right or wrong. And the more that I work in this business, the more I realize that everything is just a collection of opinions. And if you don't have one, someone will give you one. And what I've noticed is that most people have them and they're actually really beautiful and really inspiring, but they get covered up by a bunch of shit that they think other people want them to think, feel, and say. So letting that little voice inside out because they are not right or wrong, they are you, I think is the wisdom that I would would leave with people. Danielle. Yes. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. People said that we would get along, and I I think that was fairly accurate. What happens next? I don't know. Mm. We just watched the Vancouver Whitecaps win the MLS Cup because you got yours last year. We got ours the year before. It's not about, you know, being fair here. Sounders are going to win it again, right? Yeah. All right. Regardless, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. appreciate it.